Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome online. Thank you for being at La Vina this morning. We're glad. Wasn't that worship was just, I mean, I've been working with Jaden on those drums. I mean, he's kind of getting a little rhythm in him. I'm, I'm trying to help him, you know. He didn't hear me, but yeah, they did. He spun around. I love it. I love it. Great. Great. You know, I look up at our worship team and I see the future. There's the past there too. You know, you got ZZ Top, uh, you know, represented. Uh, he actually used to play with Leonard Skinner, so Joe on the keyboard. I mean, come on. He, he rocks it. And, uh, you know, we just, then you got, you got Peter over here the tattoo artist, and uh, bringing us a little bit of that Asian. And Chris finally got, he cut his hair on us and got all conservative, but he was coming back on that guitar this morning. He was he was bringing it back. But we're going to have to let that hair grow again. And then, you know, we got Jaden on the drums. I already talked about him. I mean, just, come on, tearing it up. Got uh, 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 Joseph, uh, Spanish Joseph from, uh, his mama's from uh, White Lady and his daddy's from El Salvador. I get it, okay, El Salvador. And, uh, and then we had our new uh, old white guy back here on the, on the sack. So then we had someone representing the taller population, uh, our, our female lead singer, uh, worship leader. She represents the tall people uh, in the world. So, uh, but just, you know, that doesn't just happen. You don't just wake up in the morning and have a diverse worship team and a very divided culture. Very divided churches, often one of the last battlegrounds where the enemy wants to bring uh, division. And I want to just kind of, I'm intentionally, the last few weeks, um, getting us kind of geared up, may not be the right word, uh, repented up uh, for the season we're about to go into. Round two, political craziness. Okay, so... I'm going to hurt a lot of your feelings this morning. I'm just tell you ahead of time. Not intentionally. Well, that's not true. It is intentional. <laughs> so if it hurts, hurting, getting hurt. The, the, the dentist hurts me all the time. I don't get up and smack them. It's like, ow, oh, that hurts. Well, you've got an abscessed tooth, and you're going to need a little drilling to get in there and get that poison out. Some of you got some drilling to do, and, and don't think that you don't. Because you, unless you're living in some bubble uh, on every side, we're polarized in this culture. The internet, the news, the media, the sports, it doesn't matter where it is. It's just we're inundated. And so what I want to do is try to lay an anchor. And, and you, you don't have to agree, but you can understand that this is who we are, okay? As a church, this is where we're going. This is where we've been going. We've fought a lot of battles to get to where we are today. And my wife and I have a responsibility as gatekeepers to try to keep this ship steered in the direction that the Lord wants us to be steered in. And so there's a lot of opinions on how a church ought to be. That's great, but you're not in charge of this church. We are, and we're stewarding a vision that God's given to us, and we've given our life for it. This isn't something we just get up and it's a hobby and we have fun and, you know, hey, honey, let's go get beat up and go, you know, try to train baby boomers how to follow authority. You know, that's fun. Been doing it my whole life. Baby boomers are horrible to lead. They just are. And that's all I've ever done. I love our older veterans. 
they're just, you know, big-hearted and teachable. And, and, but, but we want a church that's diverse on every level. We're going to talk to you this morning about the church with an open door. I'm going to set the stage. We're going to go to Acts 8, and we're going to look at three different areas of asking yourself the question, do I need to grow in this area? And, and it's okay. Sometimes it hurts to find out I need to grow. But I'm, I, I want you to be, I want you to grow. Don't shrink. Don't stay stagnant. The kingdom of God is, is something about growth and maturity. So the first, I want to set the stage for what's happening in the book of Acts by what happened in the temple with Jesus before he went to the cross. So Matthew tells a story a little different than Mark and Luke and John. He brings a nuance out that I want to bring to you, setting the stage for the church breaking barriers. That in the book of Acts, he lays out the outline of what's going to happen. In Acts 1.8, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's the center. That's Cape Coral for us. Our home, Jerusalem. You got to start there. Doesn't do any good if you got all kinds of vision. There are churches that die that have vision for the nations, but they got no vision for their backyard. So, Jerusalem. Judea is kind of like Lee County, you know, parameters. The next level is Samaria. That's the hated people, that's the people that live on the other side of town. The other kind of people it may not be geographic. And then he says to the ends of the earth. So to get out of Jerusalem, it took Stephen being killed and the church was scattered. And now they're going to places they would not have gone on their own choice. And then they end up in the book of Acts. We're going to end up at the end of the world with, a, with the first African convert in the Bible. Becomes an evangelist to Ethiopia, which is really cool. But I want to set the stage in the temple when Jesus comes in the town. Remember, the temple was the center of their world. It was called the house of God. It was where the people of God gathered to worship the Lord. Now, Matthew chapter 21, verse 12. Jesus enters the temple area, and he drives out those that were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables and money changers and benches they were selling us what they were doing in this court of the Gentiles, which is where uh, uh, non-Jewish people could come. They couldn't go any further. But they were being blocked. It's not that, it's like, oh, you're selling books in the church. That's evil. It's not about the fact that they were, so it was the fact that these were things connected with how and who could worship. You could bring your poor sacrifice, and these corrupt people would say, that's not acceptable. You got to buy a different one. And they couldn't afford it. And they couldn't worship. They couldn't. They didn't have the right money, and so they had exchanged money at a high rate. And so they were, they were putting up barriers to the poor and the broken and the outcast. And the scripture that we're going to look at here is found in the prophet Isaiah, chapter 56, where he's speaking about the prophecy of the coming grace of the gospel. And there's two groups that are affected. One are the aliens, the immigrants, the foreigners, and the other are the eunuchs. They're the sexually broken, castrated, mutilated individuals. Some chose that. Others were forced that. But that caused them to be unwelcome into the holy places and worship. So with that background in mind, Jesus comes in the temple, and it's not the way God wants it to be. 
In fact, most of the things that you probably don't like about in certain contexts, maybe even here, maybe things that God's not happy about. Uh, uh, if you told most people, what kind of church would you go to? If you talk to a non-church person, so what kind of church would you go to? Ask them. Ask your non-church friends. And I'm going to bet you most of them would describe what Jesus would like as a church. That's what he's about to say, I don't like. Now remember, the only time Jesus gets angry in the Bible, you, you check me if I'm wrong, it's at his people. It wasn't the evil, godless liberals. It was the cold-hearted, cynical Christians. It's the religious leaders that became hypocritical in their leadership. That's where he brings his venom. And I mean he brings it. He's about to bring it here. This is little meek and mild Jesus who used to be a carpenter. He, puts, he sits down and he makes his own whip. Matthew doesn't bring that out. But he has a whip and he's dumping over huge tables. And he's driving people out. And I'm not saying he hit anybody. But if you got in the way, I don't know what. I'm just going to say. Verse 13, it is written, Jesus said. This is his authority. It is written. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. Now, Mark brings out the rest of the prophecy of Isaiah because the full prophecy is, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Say it with me. For all nations. There's no elitist. There's no exceptionalism. There's no America's better. Listen to me. I want you to have a simple mathematical equation okay the top dictates the bottom okay it's the it's the controlling factor if you put kingdom of god first then underneath that being a good citizen or being politically active or whatever issue you care about has to come under the authority of the king if you flip it and you put your passion for this issue or your passion for this political group or this candidate, and underneath that is the kingdom of God. Whatever's left over, whatever's secondary, passion, vision, sacrifice, finances, kingdom first, that's the message Jesus is giving to the temple. They made it about just their nation. And now they're not reaching the unreached because it's about the greatness of their nation. Your nation isn't any good. You have to become like our nation. Speak our language. Think the way we think. It's a cultural priority that took place over the kingdom of God. Now, here's what I know. What did it mean that they were selling in the temple? Well, here you go by what happened after he gets rid of them. Look what happens to the church when they, when they reopen the doors. In Matthew, after he drives out these people, in verse 14, it says, The blind, the lame, came to the temple, and he, say it with me, healed them. That's the purpose of the house of God. It's for people to meet God, to be forgiven, to be healed, to be restored. And why weren't they in there? Because they couldn't get in. The doors were shut. 
One of the biggest lies in the country hangs out in front of most churches on Sunday morning. It says, everybody's welcome. Translated, everybody that looks like us and thinks like us is welcome. If you vote like us, you're in. I'll tell you something. Just on a business level, let's just look at this economically. On a business level, if you set out with your business and you decide you're going to ostracize 50% of your customers, just to start with, I'm going to rule out 50% of my customers because I'm going to polarize myself politically. I remember my dad years ago. He was campaigning in our home for a certain presidential candidate. It was very controversial. I was a little kid. I'm like, Dad, let's get a bumper sticker and put it on the car. And he goes, son, son, no. I said, what are you ashamed of? He said, I'm not ashamed. I want to make a living. If I put that bumper sticker on the back of my car, I'm going to lose a lot of clients when they look at that bumper sticker. I don't want a bumper sticker on this church. I don't want you being a bumper sticker for this church that ostracizes people we're trying to reach. I want to reach people that need Jesus. I'm not looking to reach people that vote like me. I'm not looking to reach people that think like me. I'm not trying to reach people that look like me. That's easy to do. You know how easy it would be to have a one-dimensional church? Do you know how easy? Do you know the battles we fought over the years? We've had people hate us on, on, because we let youth with purple hair get in the band. We let people with piercing back when that was. Nowadays, it's not that big of a deal. But back then, big deal. You got somebody with piercing. That's a terrible role model. They're up here worshiping Jesus with all their heart, and they got something pierced. You need something pierced. You need your heart pierced. Why don't you go out and get a nose ring? You'd look a lot better if you had one. You think, well, no, 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 not, the, not Christians. Yeah, Christians. Christians. I had a man sitting here three rows back. I was trying to teach the church some welcoming language for our Spanish friends. Hola. That's a hard word to break down. Oh, speaking of Ola. I was doing Ola. And then I did the real. We went out on the ledge. Bienvenidos means welcome. This guy hollers, you're in America, speak English. I said, you're in the wrong church. You can leave right now. I threw him out. You say, who are you to do that? I'm the pastor. And if I didn't do it, God would have thrown me out. I don't want a one-language church. I want a church that speaks the language of the kingdom. I want a church that speaks in tongues that glorifies Jesus. I've never met a Spanish person that didn't want to learn English that lives here. Never met one. Do you know how hard? You can't even learn hola. And you want them to learn a whole new language at an adult age? It's just hard. And then I had a couple son-in-laws that were African-American. One's in heaven now, and the other one's a good friend, but they're no longer part of our family. They were singing up here, and they sang a worship song, and they broke into a rap. Now, one of them did forget they were in church and did a little bit of the rap grab thing. I wasn't happy about that, and I would have had a conversation with them. But I had someone in this back section say, who let those in 
in the church to sing. Now, this is only like 20 years ago. This is Cape Coral. I'm thankful to this day I don't know who said that. Because I would have become evil to fight the evil. And that's not good. Hating people that hate people, it's just hating. You're not helping anything. So here's what I want you to see this morning. We're going to go to the book of Acts. God's pushing his church out beyond the boundaries. Jesus is opening the doors. He's saying, come on, inviting people to come in. They're like, what? You want? Yeah, come on. So Philip is having revival, and, and he's a deacon. He's gone to a place called Samaria. The Jews hated the Samaritans. They were a mixed race. They got different theology, different politics. The, the, the disciples didn't even want to walk through there, and Jesus said, yeah, we're going through Samaria. He ministered to a woman at the well in Samaria. And at one point in Luke 9, we'll put this verse up, uh, Jesus is going through there, and the Samaritans, they don't like the Jews either. And they push back, and they don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. So John steps up, who Jesus calls early on, James and John, the sons of thunder. John steps up and says, Jesus, you want us to nuke them? That's exactly what he said. It's like the, the, the veterans I heard about in Iraq that were painting Bible verses on bombs. That's the duplicity. That's, that's the corruption that happens in the kingdom when you merge a government with, and politics with the kingdom of God. That's not who we are called to be. And Jesus confronts him. He says, you don't even know what spirit you're talking from, John. Throw that verse up there, Luke 9, the last verse on, on Luke 9. Jesus, he, he turns and rebukes him. He says, you don't know what kind of spirit you've let the world come in you. You've let, you've let the conservative analyst inside your soul. You've let the liberal talking head inside your soul. You've let the sports star who has no character inside your soul you let the hollywood person set your morals inside your soul jesus you don't know what spirit you're talking from i've not come to burn people up i've not come to drop bombs on people i've come to heal the land i've come to heal life. that's the gospel we're not we're not praying for people to be blood listen there's three groups today samaritans we're going to talk about Philip goes to these Samaritans. He preaches the gospel. They get saved. They're in revival. The same dude that wanted to call fire gets his heart full of the Spirit of God, becomes the apostle of love. He joins the revival in Acts 8. Peter and John come down. Instead of calling fire down, he calls the Spirit down. He's changed where the kingdom is first. Samarians are underneath the kingdom. I've got to love these people now. I've got, who are your Samarians? Who are the people group that you just can't stand? Who is it that you, if they dress the way they dress, maybe it's an Arab. What if you had someone that walked in in full Arab dress? What would you do? Creep out over it? It doesn't mean every Arab isn't a terrorist. There's some Jesus-loving Arabs and Palestinians. There's China. I don't like their politics. I don't like the, but there's more Christians in China than there are in America. Do you know the Chinese church, and they pray for American church. We're, we think we're all that in a bag of chips. 
We don't know what it is to go to church and it might cost me my career, my job, or my life. They're hiding underground. Do we pray for them or do we want to bomb them? North Korea, same deal. Yeah, he's a psychopath that's their leader. But, but what about the believers from North Korea? See, we have a different kingdom. And if you don't put that first, you're not going to love the Samaritans that are different than you, that believe different, that vote different, that take a different view on certain issues. My job is not to convert people to a political agenda. And if that's your job, do it on your time, but don't do it in this church. Because I'm not for it. I've fought against it. And people say, oh, you're not patriotic. You don't love the country. Blah, 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 blah. You can say whatever you want about me. But I'm captured with a call of God to preach the gospel. That's the only hope. Politics is not going to save this country. It just is. It never has and it never will. <laughs> Who's your Samaritans? Who are they? Who is that group? And maybe they're a political group. Maybe they're a religion. Who are they? That you just, ah, you want to bomb them. You want to call fire down and you feel righteous because they're a bunch of blood-sucking vampires. Some of you know what I'm talking about that are on the Internet, the conspiracy people. Let me tell you something about conspiracies. There always are, always have been, always will be. You better get off your conspiracies and get on the gospel because it'll suck the life. I've watched it ruin a witness after witness after witness. You get caught up in your conspiracy political theories and you merge it with prophecies and it's this toxic mixture. It's not the gospel. It's not going to bring people to Jesus. That, that somebody that, that so-and-so's drinking blood on an island somewhere. That, whose life did that change? If it's true, God will deal with it. Last I checked, hell's a real place. And God's pretty good at taking care of the unrighteous. Who's your Samaritans? Who has God challenged you to love that's not natural for you to love them? Who has God stretched you? When's the last time you've been stretched to pray for somebody that, let me just, don't, don't blurt out an answer here, embarrass me and you too, but it's a rhetorical question. That means ask it to yourself. I, God, God said this to me in the last service. I've never prayed for Hunter Biden to come to know Jesus. Have you? Shame on us. Shame on us. We care more about how politically that could damage somebody than how broken somebody is. That could be me. That could be you. People that are, I want to drain the swamp. Drain it in your own heart. When's the last time you looked in the mirror and said, I'm disappointed with me? People go on Facebook, I'm disappointed with the church. Really? Really? How about start with I'm disappointed with myself? I am often. I look and I say, God, how far I have to go. I've got Swamp and Jamie. It just feels righteous to say, we want to get the corruption out. I've got to deal with it here first. When's the last time you've dealt with you? When's the last time you've campaigned against you? When's the last time you've challenged yourself to say, that's not very kind, loving, or humble. You're not bringing people to the kingdom. You're driving them away. 
if me putting a sign up in my yard causes my neighbor to not want to come to my church, I'm taking the sign down. Now, I can't tell you what to do. I'm just telling you me. You won't bring that sign to this church. You won't wear that logo on your shirt. If you campaign in here, I'm going to campaign you to get a different shirt on because we're not campaigners. We're kingdom of God people. This should be a place that we have all different views and we grow together and we humble each other. And we humble ourselves to each other. It's not easy. I wish we could have a one-dimensional church. You know how much easier that'd be? Actually, we'd all end up turning on each other. That's what happens. We'd cannibalize each other. We're all white. We're all about the same age, and we're all conservative. You know what we do? We kill each other. It's true. You've got to have an enemy. We feel righteous having a, but the, you, we're fighting the wrong battles. We're, we, we want to see, so Philip's preaching the gospel to Samaria. John, the fire breather, breathes the spirit. Now God says, leave that. How hard that would be. Tim and I went all the way to Scotland, all, lots of other reasons. But one of the primary reasons we went was to go see Gus. Gus is someone we've been witnessing to since we stayed at a lighthouse in COVID for 14 days. And he's the, drives you back and forth on his little boat. His daddy was a preacher. His sister's a preacher. And Gus said, I don't pray. Equals don't try. We probably prayed over him a dozen times now. Kim fell down, leaving the island, and slammed her hand and her arm onto the rocks, bleeding, her finger was crooked. Gus, we're all panicked. We pick her up. She's never done this in our whole marriage. She looked at me. She pushed her hand in my face. She said, pray for me now. I'm like, ooh. I mean, we're talking authority. It wasn't like, honey, if you want to, you know. It's like, pray now. But there was a level of faith in her and a desperate. We were going to go take Gus, we've been waiting on this for months and months and months. We're going to take him out to lunch and share Jesus again with him and love on him. But she saw herself going to the clinic or whatever we could do. And, and, and all of a sudden we pray, and Gus put his hand on her arm. I don't pray. He was, I'm not going to say he's praying, but his hand was on her arm. And when we got done praying, she did this. She goes, I'm healed. It's gone. Fingers gone, fingers straight. I'm healed. Gus's eyes were like saucers. And then we had lunch with him, and we got to lay hands on him. And first time, we drew tears, an old Scottish rough guy. And we came all that way for Gus. God tells Philip, I want you to leave your big hoorah going on, revival. And there's a, a broken man, a black man, a sexually dysfunctional man that needs Jesus. Samaria was a challenge. Ethiopia is a whole different level. The angel comes to Philip and says, buddy, I got a job for you. Chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. He's a proselyte to the Jewish faith, but they wouldn't even let him in the door because he's the wrong culture, the wrong color, and the wrong sexual function. He could come and stand and look from the outside in, probably give your money, 
This is a wealthy dude. Think of an SUV with rock star rims. That's what he's riding. He's riding in a chariot that was the, the, that was the only the wealthy had. This is a huge chariot. Had a driver, probably had, an, uh, had guards on it. And he's sitting there reading. When it says he's reading the Bible, it's a scroll about this high that cost lots of money to buy just the scroll of Isaiah. And so God cares about this, this black man, this mysterious man, this wealthy and powerful man, this sexually broken man. And verse 28, on his way home, he's sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran to the chariot. Now just think about that. We're not talking Samaritans, a hated people group. We're talking a whole nother level of test your heart. Who would you run to that you don't agree with and to tell them about Jesus? What sacrifice would you make? Could you pray for Hunter Biden? Could you start believing God would capture his heart and radically transform him? I, I, you know how many Hunter Bidens come to church every week? that are arrogantly judging him and they go home and watch pornography all week long. You think God's happy with that? It sounds righteous, doesn't it? Oh, we want to get the tapes out. How about if that's for you? How about for you? Let's go into your computer. I'd like to take the next man that tells me something about it. I'd say, give me your computer. Because I'm going to take it to somebody. I can't do it. I'm going to take it to one of our pastors. We're going to do a little review of your history. How's that going to work for you? No, it sounds good to be against evil. Let's start with here. Where's evil in Jamie? Where's evil in our church? Where do we need to adjust and change? I love our minorities to let me know if something is disrespectful or uncomfortable or, or somehow not feeling welcome or we're doing something. For years, we never... We never uh, celebrated Martin Luther King Day because we were white. We didn't close the office. And that's a huge symbolic thing. It was just stupid, and someone pointed it out to us. So we celebrated and shut the office down, and, and we're growing. We're, it's not easy. I, I, I treasure some of our older folks in here that you've been willing to adjust. You'd probably rather us sing more hymns. Yeah. Brian say, you know why we don't? Because young people don't like them. Well, they need to learn. No, they'll just go to what they'll. No, there's plenty of churches in town that sing hymns. We're trying to sing something that can capture the next generation. And if it doesn't capture them, you know why? It's selfish. Because if it's just us old people, when we get older, who's going to take care of us? Who's going to shove us around? We need the young people. Someday one of my grandkids is going to be rolling me in here i got to be good to them. I know I can't count on my daughters, but I'm counting on my grandkids. <laughs> my daughter's like, yeah, Dad, yeah, if i got to wash it, no, not, not happening. Get a hose. I'll hire someone to come by and squirt you down. And I've had some of our grandkids come up to us un unasked. Just say, Grandma, when you get old, I'm going to help take care of you. That's why we want younger people. They got to take care of us. Do you want to be a generational church that dies? That's what I love about our vineyard. And we're going, uh, the whole team will be going next week preaching on uh, Acts 9. But we're going a week from Monday. 
please pray. It's our two-year annual national conference. It's in Asheville, North Carolina. Our new national leader, Jay Pathak, got his hands full with a bunch of baby boomers. And then some, they've restructured the vineyard. This is our first conference with all the changes. And we need God to visit the vineyard. We need him to visit. We'll have our whole staff, pretty much everybody up there. Uh, we're going to need your prayers. Uh, there'll be plenty of people on duty here, the VN Vineyards volunteers. Uh, we've got a great guest speaker on the 6th uh, that's one of us. Some of you will remember what happened last year uh, or two years ago when we were gone. But just pray for us. Pray for our vineyard. And, and they are fighting the same battles I'm preaching right here. Do you know how many their vineyards fighting over politics? There's liberals that have mocked the conservatives, and there's conservatives that have mocked the liberals. And it's, it's polarized our own denomination that we're fighting to be racially diverse, fighting it, repenting, doing all that we can to be welcoming. Let me just say this. I have lost people of recent, younger ones primarily, because we're not an affirming church. What they mean by that is you don't look at somebody in a homosexual lifestyle and embrace that lifestyle. You don't affirm them. It's not just do you love them. Yes, we will love anybody broken. I love people that are living together unmarried. I have homosexuals that come here from time to time, and they're welcome and they're loved on. They're not going to be treated, but they're also going to know that that's not what's best from God for their life. And so we're, that's not my opinion. It's the Bible. So, uh, to be, so these churches that try to be affirming no longer have a message anymore. Their message is, okay, God loves everybody. Just do whatever you want. So the person that wants to be have sex with children, that's okay because that's what they want. Must be good because it feels good. No, we have standards. God said one man, I don't need to go down that road. My point is, there's a difference from being a welcoming church, which we're trying to be, and an affirming church. I want to affirm the gospel. I'm going to affirm Jesus. I'm going to affirm that he's the only way to salvation. Because if you take that from us, I got nothing else. I can't help you. Jamie can't save you. I've got no philosophy, no intelligence, no nothing that can pull you out of darkness and bring you into the kingdom of light. That's the gospel that can do that. It's the power of God unto salvation. And if you take that from us, I'm muted. I'm nothing. I had a young man one time, he's trying to step up, be the man in his family, and his, his uh, mom had died, and and he said, I'm doing, I'm doing the memorial. And he said, listen, I don't want any Bible reading. And I don't want any singing. And I don't want any prayer. I'm like, well, buddy, you don't need me. Because that's all I got. If you take the Bible from me, I got nothing. You take Jesus from me, I got nothing. I can't help you. How am I going to offer hope from what? Just a humanistic. So don't confuse that we're a welcoming church with that we're an affirming church that anything goes. That's just not who we are. We lift up Jesus Christ, and we call people to repentance. We call people to faith in Christ. And, and so, but we don't want to stop them from getting here because we're bigoted, arrogant, condescending on the Internet, self-righteous in our judgments of certain sins and not the other sins. 
I'd love some conservatives to start getting online and confess your own sins. Come on. You can beat the drum all day long about the wall. Deal with the walls in your own heart. You can beat the drum all day about abortion. Deal with the pornography in your own life. You can beat the drum all day, all day long about the brokenness in our system, the corruptness. But deal with your own finances. You haven't even learned to honor God with your finances. I told you I was going to hurt you today. I'm not trying. I want you to be better. I want to be a better church. I want to be a better pastor. We wouldn't be here. I used to say derogatory things about homosexuals in my messages. I just put walls up. How are they going to hear the gospel when I'm just being derogatory to them? It just, I, I, it's, I had to repent. I had to repent. And I'm, I'm sure I'm not done repenting. Who is your Ethiopian? Who is it? Who is it that, that you just, if they came into this church, you couldn't sit by them? Who is that? Who's your eunuch that's sexually broken that if they came in this church, you, you could, or you wouldn't even think of it to invite them? They're too far gone. Listen, Philip went to the chariot. He said, what are you reading here, buddy? I'm reading Isaiah. Who's he talking about? The eunuch says, he's talking about Jesus. Jesus loves you. You can have a relationship with God. And he says, here's some water. Can I get baptized? He didn't baptize him to become an Israeli. He didn't baptize him to become a certain. He just baptized him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit invaded his life. He went back home to Ethiopia, tradition has, and became an evangelist. That nation. You know, there's rumors that they have the ark in Ethiopia. I don't know. They have a, a, a guard, a, a priest that guards. A, I kind of doubt it, but I love the history of tradition that they have in Ethiopia with the gospel. The gospel went to Africa because Philip went to the chariot. What if that chariot had a bumper sticker on the back of it that Philip didn't like? Pro-Biden. Biden-Harris. I'm not going up to that chariot. Or Trump, make America great. I ain't going up to that chariot. See, neither one of those two people are going to get you to Jesus. Get, trust me, it works both ways. It, 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 it's hard. It's hard to lay, or say, I'm not going to let my differences. I, I have to tell people on a regular basis, my wife and I, we're gatekeepers, that in this church, I can't control what you watch online. I can't control who you listen to, the preachers you're, which by the way, the next time you're all caught up in some prophetic guy on the internet, just see if they're going to bring you chicken noodle soup when you're sick. <laughs> see if they're going to come help rebuild your house. They're not your pastors. They're not accountable to anybody. If I mess up, my rear end's in a sling. I got people I answer to. I'm accountable. I don't want just anything flowing in this church. What kind of pastor wants his sheep to eat stuff that's poisonous? That's not a good pastor. So we watch our flock. We, we weed the garden. We tell people, no, that's not. When they come campaigning in here, and I say, no, now my mission is not to make America great again. Not my mission. My mission is to see the kingdom of God come that's already great. And that's the only mission. 
I love my country. You can take this and oh, he's listen. I was in Scotland on the Fourth of July and missed my country, missed being here. I missed having a hot dog. That's the only thing I missed, really, seriously. I'm like, there's no hot dogs around here, and people could have cared less that it was Fourth of July, because you know it didn't go so good on their end uh, on that day. You know, kind of a sore spot. If you go where the the pilgrims left, there's a little plaque about 12 inches. I thought there'd be a big memorial there. They weren't real happy with the people that left them. Anyway, that's a long time ago, and we love our English brothers and sisters, and and so nobody. So I said the next day. We went to this garden, and we were walking around, and they had a little food stand and a little little shepherd's wagon thing. And Kim said, oh, she wanted a ham and cheese. And I looked at it. They had a hot dog. I said, hot dog? You, you, you make hot dog? Is it a real hot dog, like pig parts? I said, yeah, it's a real hot dog. I said, I, I want it. We sat down at our little tables. Right? My wife started eating on my hot dog. I'm like, Honey, you got that ham sandwich. She said, yeah, but I like that hot dog. <laughs> I got selfish. I'm serious. I'm like, honey, I'll go get you another hot dog, but that's my hot dog. <laughs> now, she explained it. It's like three foot long. You could have fed a family with this hot dog. It was a monster. It, was, it, was a, it wasn't my best moment as a husband. You'd think after 45 years of marriage, you'd say, honey, here, Take the hot dog. I'll eat the ham sandwich. But nope, I was fighting over that hot dog. I, on a regular basis, I see the swamp in Jamie. I need the swamp drained in Jamie. Let's start there. I can't fix the world. I can't fix the government. It's broken. It's corrupt on both sides, every level. Not everybody, but it's, it's just it's the nature of the world. It's, it's corrupt in England. It's corrupt in the Latin. It's corrupt because people are broken and lost. We need a move of God in this country. We need the kingdom of God. The only hope I can see is what we're talking about right here. If it can change a sexually broken person that's grown up in paganism, that found Jesus Christ, got baptized, and brought the good news back to Africa, then I'm telling you there's hope for anybody to change. And it took a person willing to cross barriers, boundaries, it took a church that has an open door that says we do welcome everybody. Now, if you come in here with bad intentions, the security team will deal with you. Amen. It's not an anything goes thing, but it's everybody's love thing. And sometimes we love people right out the door. You have to because they're unsafe. And, and I can't help it. And this church isn't for everybody. It just isn't. I wish it was. But if we try to do a church for everybody, we'll be a church for nobody. We have to deal with our heart core values. So I'm asking you, join me in sharing the hot dog. Give a little bit. Lay down some preferences. Don't, don't let them get, but measure your passions. Is it kingdom of God getting most of your passion and then politics underneath it? Or is it the other way around? Just be honest with yourself. Your internet will tell you. Your feed will tell you. And I'm not, I'm not advocating go becoming a Bible thumper on, on social media. I can't stand it. Religious people get on there and beat people up and blah, blah, blah. Just be kind to people. Try that. 
Confess your own sins. Try that. Tell people you're disappointed with yourself. Try that. I love people. I'm disappointed with the church. And then the people that like it are people that are, ah! It's like, it's a, it's, it, ah! I'm disappointed in my response to that. Let me just help you. I, I don't want to hate people that hate people. What good is that? I want to be a representative of Jesus Christ in a church that the Lord says, I can trust you with broken people. And we got a generation coming. They're doing things to children right now that in the years ahead, these kids are going to wake up and go, oh, my God, what did my parents do to me? They mutilated me. It's so horrible, so broken. But you know what? There's hope. There's hope for those people. There's hope for those parents that they could repent and find the kingdom of God. It's the same in our approach with abortion. And we're very, very pro-life people. But we don't show horrible films in the church, and we don't try to condemn people that have made horrible choices in their life, because I've made horrible choices. We're a church of redemption and restoration. We've supported for years single moms, parenting uh, uh, organizations to help uh, save children. You know, but listen to me. Hating people that have made bad choices or have bad beliefs isn't going to change them. It's not going to change them. Showing kindness to people, even though you disagree, even though that you pray that they go out of business, that's fine. But, but, but don't let your heart be like John. Should I call fire down on them? Should I call fire down on them? Let's wipe them out. Katrina wiped out New Orleans. The TV prophets the internet prophets, oh, New Orleans is a godless nest of wickedness and God sent his wrath. Really? Really? If that was true, I'm not sure any of us would be alive. You think New Orleans is more wicked than Cape Coral? They just got more people. We got the same in Cape Coral. It's, 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 God's not out trying to destroy people. He didn't send Ian here because we're a worse area than Tampa. I'd argue that we're a better area than Tampa, but God didn't check with me on that, and it didn't work that way, and I'm, that's probably not a good attitude either. I could have recommended some places he could have taken that thing, and, and that just shows I'm with you on this thing. I'm growing too. I'm not there. My struggle is I can get a terrible spirit. I want to call fire down on people that are racist, bigots. I want to burn them up. I got grandkids that are mixed. I know what it is to see the world that they have to live in. And but that isn't going to change anybody. Me being like the thing I don't like, now we have two things, two people that are bad and wrong. I've got to pray for them. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. There's no elitism in the kingdom. There's no one nation's a little bit better than the rest of them are. That robs the gospel. If we went to Burundi as though we were better than the Burundians, and we're the white Americans that we have it together because we have more money, their faith makes our faith look apathetic. They got like 70, 80% unemployment. And they still worship God. They take two hours to get to church by bike 
hitchhike, bus, walk, and they get to church. We're like, yeah, it's raining out. I don't know, not today. Oh, it's sunshiny. Yeah, it's nice. That's good. Not today. So, you with me? Not going to be easy. It's going to be a tough season. The rhetoric is climbing. And there could be some atrocities. I hope not. We got to be careful. Be careful. One of my heroes, Billy Graham, one of his only major failures was he got caught up in the politics. He got sucked into a Richard Nixon, and he manipulated and used him and burned him, embarrassed him, but he learned his lesson. He didn't quit ministering, but he ministered to everybody, whatever their persuasion was, but he was consistent. He brought Jesus to all of them. He didn't take sides anymore. And I'm not saying you can't have a side. I'm just saying let's put Jesus first, the kingdom of God. Then from there, let's work our way down, okay? Jesus first, kingdom of God, mission of Jesus, gospel, salvation, eternity first. Walk it out underneath that, okay? All right, let's, uh, let's pray together. Come on up, hon. Maybe you... Uh, you could relate to feeling somewhat like this Ethiopian eunuch, that you're far from God or you have things that disqualify you or you could never be really spiritual because of your past or you just haven't known that, that you needed Christ in your life. I just would welcome you to say the door's open to God's house. He says, come on in. Now, there's only one way in. His name's Jesus. You can't get in the back door. You don't sneak in. You don't, you don't get in because you deserve to get in. You get in because he paid the price for you to come in. You have to come in through Jesus. There's no other way. So there's a universal call or invitation to all, but there's an exclusiveness to Christ when you come in. You've got to come through Jesus. If you've not done that this morning, you can... Say a simple prayer of surrender to say, Jesus, come be Lord of my life. Just ask him. Jesus, come be Lord of my life. Doesn't matter what your politics are. Doesn't matter what your background's been or even your sexuality. Starts with Jesus. Then he'll help you sort things out after that. Jesus, maybe you're watching online and you just, this is your day to say yes to Jesus as your Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Give courage to those that need a new beginning today. Thank you, Lord, that there's nobody. I'm just going to do this publicly. Lord, I pray for Hunter Biden in the name of Jesus Christ, that you will open his eyes to the gospel, that you will send a laborer to him that can reach him for Jesus Christ. Lord, that you will capture his heart for your purposes. God, that you would rescue him out of the darkness as you've done for many of us that are in this room. We love you, Lord. Bless this time of commitment in Jesus' name. Amen.